So we have conditioned over the years, thousands and thousands of years to be hypervigilant of our surroundings, our safety, other people's emotions. We're always in tune, right? That's a hypervigilance. And what we're trying to now reset is to a self-awareness an alertness and a self-awareness. That's a different system. Hypervigilance is fear. Self-awareness is in the body, right? Like you said, sometimes we don't even know how we're feeling. We don't even know. We're not even in our bodies at all. Hi, I'm Deanna Robbins. And I'm Christy North. Welcome to Pieces of a Woman podcast, where we explore all the pieces that make up a woman, mind, body, and soul. By embracing all complexities of being a woman, our goal is to share real stories that inspire growth and empower all women to be the best versions of themselves. And as Maya Angelou so eloquently said, when we know better, we do better. Thank you for taking this journey with us. Okay, so today we are sitting with Gabby Accord, and I'm so excited about this interview because Gabby is very special to myself, my family, Deanna knows Gabby, and so we just are so honored that we get to have her with us today. We get to pick her brain, dive deep into mental health, trauma, and pain. But basically, what I first want to start with before we get going, Gabby, is I want to give you a nice intro of who you are, what you do, and your background. So Gabby is a licensed clinical therapist. She is in Salt Lake and Davis County, primarily where she works is in Bountiful, Utah. She has counseling degrees from BYU and University of Central Florida, and over 25 years working in the field of mental health. Um, Her specialty is in couple and family relationships. So we are going to do a deep dive into how pain and trauma can show up for us and how we respond with our relationships, but also ourselves. So Gabby, share a little bit about yourself with us. Oh gosh, that was a nice little overview. I'm married. I have four adult children, all very different little human beings. And I am learning along with my clients all these years, you know, things change, you know, information about the body and the mind and how we deal with all that has evolved. And so I learn right along with my, the awesome people that I work with teach me a lot. So that's one of the best parts. So are you doing a lot of your work, obviously with everything that our environment has changed so much, a lot of your work was with in person. Are you finding that this Zoom environment is still working well? And and is that primarily what you're seeing with your business? No, I'm back to in person almost exclusively. Yeah. So I think that it works a little bit better for clients to be in person, but it works a lot better for me because there's an energy kind of exchange that happens when somebody's in the room with you that, you know, I get fed too, you know, so it's not quite as exhausting. Zooms can be a little bit more exhausting because you're missing kind of that energetic exchange and that co-regulation, you know, that we're doing. For me, I remember when I first started working with you, you know, Gabby and I have done a few sessions together in the last five years. She primarily works with Kennedy, which Kennedy refers to Gabby as her second mom, which I just think is so endearing. We were talking about you this last weekend. And so I think you're going to hear from her. But anyway, I remember as I was like coming into that mindset of bringing in a therapist in some of the trauma that I was working through. And I thought, how am I going to do this in an hour? Like I felt like I needed 
an hour and maybe three hours would probably have been, you know, so I know we're going to go off a little bit here, but I would love to just kind of visit on how you do this work in an hour. And do you feel like you get deep into the conversations where you can provide the value with having a therapist that way? Well, let's just talk a little bit about like, you know, what stress is and what like the bodily safety feels like, right? So if you think of stress as not necessarily the presence of stressors, but the lack of safety, then it kind of flips your mindset on what our goal is. We're not necessarily trying to eliminate all the things that happen in life. You know, life is suffering, right? What we're trying to do is create as much safety in our world as possible. So if I'm having someone come into the office, you're right. Like it's going to take a minute for a wound up system to regulate, right? And so then we're spending a little bit of time to create that expectation of safety. And if there's a social relationship, then, you know, we have to get past that social relationship to create, like, this is a place where you do not have to perform or present in any way, but that takes a minute. It takes a minute for me. I'm human too. I want to be liked, you know? So it takes a minute for me to get to that place where I'm not performing and then I can, you know, create a safe space where the other, the client doesn't feel like they have to perform either. So if we think of like, our goal is to be in a regulated space as much as possible. That's the goal of life, even under stressful conditions, right? And so if we've got somebody coming in that's experienced like a recent horrible trauma or who has a consistent exposure to unpredictable environments, right? So they're going to be, when I think of like out of like a safe regulated spaces up here in your sympathetic nervous system, you are escalated, your fear centers turn on and there's some hypervigilance in your life, right? And we, as all humans are born scared. We're born screaming. We're born wired for danger, immediate danger. And the, the goal of a of regulation is to like have enough safety that that system learns to wind down. We're not born feeling safe. And then all of a sudden stress comes in and makes us feel unsafe. We're born feeling unsafe and consistent interaction with people who care about us, who are predictable, who have presence with us ends up regulating our systems so that we can kind of perform less in our fear and more in our evolved centers. You know, the the hippocampus and the frontal lobe are so wise and capable. Well, and you're having to really, I mean, that's, that's, that takes, that's an art for you to be able to create that safe space for someone who's coming in for the first time. They've made an appointment with you. They're saying, you know, I'm open, I'm going to try this, but they are feeling that stress or anxiety and also reservation of, you know, how is this really going to help me? Me just talking about something that happened in my life. Why is that going to, how is that going to fix or even help me to process? Well, I'm going to speak to that too, just really quick, because I experienced that going for the first time. I had not been to therapy forever. I mean, never really have went appreciate and value so much. But when you go, I mean, you feel like you're being so vulnerable because one, you're admitting I have a problem or I have an issue or I'm trying to deal with something. And then two, it's like, if you don't know that person and trying to find somebody that you can fit with, it's a little intimidating just coming in. So I appreciate what you're saying. I mean, you're doing the same thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. We're all co-regulating, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and we were all, I mean, every single one of us 
has been raised in some sort of culture of performance and evaluation. And, and we come from, you know, a high demand area, cultured area, where, you know, we have been taught that there are ways to show up and our acceptance is inconsistent. It's not always a certainty that we will be accepted. So we're consistently learning, like, how do I have to show up for this person? How much do I have to hide? And over the years, we have done a really good job of saying vulnerability is super risky. Like vulnerability, basically, vulnerability is like an unguarded neck. <laughs> You're coming in with all of your guard down. And if you've, you've done that often enough and had your jugular attacked, right? If you've had enough experiences where unguarded is unsafe, people will use my, myself against me, right? Then you are going to absolutely build up a huge guard. And then you're going to come in with somebody who doesn't know you and you want them to accept you more than anything. We just want to be accepted. That's, that feels like safety when it's seen and accepted. And sometimes being seen is not being accepted. So there, there's that conflict where we're constantly trying to like, want to be seen, but I don't want my truths used against me. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I think you're going into a, a whole area where just in light of today's culture. We talk a lot about just mental health, but I feel like now the term mental health is so broad, but where, what can we do to narrow the focus, I guess, and not, you know, it's been something we've needed to talk about, but now I feel like it's just kind of thrown out there. And what are we doing with it? What are we, how are we being productive? Well, is it, are we giving it the, are we giving it the focus, like you said, Deanna, or has it somewhat become kind of, are we becoming desensitized to it because we're saying mental health so much and that we're missing what do you think? You're nodding your head, Gabby. Well, yeah, we just use these big words all the time. Gaslighting, narcissism, mental health, you know, anxiety. We just use these big words all the time and we almost dehumanize what the experience is, right? If you if you think of something like narcissism, it's such a big, huge word that basically we're forgetting that there's a human being. There's a human being that has learned how to get safety in life. And this is all it's boiled down to. When you see someone and their behaviors, just imagine like, this is how this person has adapted for safety. And a narcissist could be just a child that had so much exposure to criticism at a young age, right? That performance became safety. Perfect performance became safety. And then guarding that perfect performance became safety in a relationship, right? It helps you have more compassion, I think, when you understand that the behaviors we see in people are adaptations. And that helps me as a human being to be in this world, to understand that my energy of safety will create an energy of safety towards me. So if I'm going into a room with my head up and my eyes down and my hackles up, right? Not only am I not sending safety to that room, but I am increasing the odds that I'm going to receive unsafe signals back. Signals of like non-acceptance is what I'm saying. And we as humans are so emotional. Relationship safety is utterly important. We're not talking about necessary physical safety. We're not, we, most of us would rather be physically unsafe than emotionally unsafe. Well, and that can really hold us back. I mean, that's where I think we personally shut down. It blocks us. I feel like it can just literally block us from living, from 
experiencing joy. And so to get to that place, you know, I'm going back to how we started and being able to be open, being vulnerable. And if it is with, you know, a therapist committing to yourself to like sit in a room with someone and share whatever it is that you're, you know, I I feel like we come in with one focus typically. And if you're really good at what you do, which I know personally you are, you can narrow it down to something that has nothing to do with why we probably even came into that experience. And I'm kind of focusing on this, Gabby, because I, I think our focus has been with this podcast to, you know, the new you in 22 and exploring all the ways that we can be better. And we've talked about mental health a lot in most of our episodes. It comes in somewhere, somehow, and it's so important, but I'm really loving this idea of how we introduce this into our life because it can empower us. And when I say this, I'm talking about therapy. You know, what do we need to do to be open to that and how can it help us on our journey? And and I really feel like that's an important piece for us to share because so many of us are afraid of it. Yeah, it's it's probably a lot of our first experience with someone who is going to be able to sit presently with us without an agenda, hopefully you know, with somebody that doesn't have their ego in the way of hearing you and and seeing you and being present with you, right? One of our first experiences with that might be in therapy. And, you know, admittedly, I have an ego when I'm with my kids, I have an attachment to my children that is really strong. So I have an agenda for them. So when they come and talk to me about things they're going through or things they want to do, Like I have a really hard time just being present and accepting with them. I have fears and agenda. So if they're like, Hey mom, I I think I'm going to drop out of school and go travel the world. Or if I'm not attached to that person, I can say, tell me about that. (laughs) Tell me what's going on with you. You know, explain that to me more. You know, what's, you know, what are you hoping to get from that? If I'm not attached, I can be present with that person and just let them disclose and explore in a safe present place. But if I have attachment with my kid, they say something like that. I'm going to be like, Oh, what? Right. I I don't want to give space for that. I want to resist it and shut it down. So even I, as a parent have to be aware of my, like my attachments can interfere with my ability to be present with someone. So therapy and hopefully a good therapist is someone who has no agenda for you. There's no attachment to who you become other than I care for your well-being, right? And I want you to to manifest the way you want to manifest. So that's some of our first experiences with that. But it also helps you understand like how I then want to show up for my kids. I want to be more of a present human being with my kids rather than an attached, controlling parent. That is easier said than done a lot of times. <laughs> Learning so that. much. I know. And Gabby, I just want to say, you said something even earlier, now that you're leaning and, you know, going into this, you said something earlier that I learn along the way. I have learned with my children. I've learned with clients feel like, and I don't know if it's my age, if we're in a season of spiritual or mental growth, like I feel like the last few years have been an opportunity where we're talking about emotions more. We're talking about feelings. We're talking about stressors, anxiety, depression. We're talking about all those things, which I think is such a beautiful thing that we are. And I think a lot of people don't know what they are feeling. Sometimes it's the frustration of, I can't even identify what I really am feeling and how therapy can be such a gift to figure all of that out. So I love where where you're going. And I mean, I guess I'm, I don't know if I'm derailing, but I'm just talking about the level of 
communication in our world has definitely really honed in on where are we emotionally. Christy mentioned burnout earlier, and I think a lot of people are feeling a lot of burnout. It's not necessarily physical burnout. It is emotional burnout. And how do we help people deal with emotional burnout as well? That's a question I have, but I love going down. I, you, what you just said is creating a safe space that somebody can go and you know that person's not going to hurt you and they're there to help you. And if you can get over that initial hurdle of just making the appointment, finding somebody and what a, what a beautiful gift it can be. Discover adventure, discover luxury, discover Moab with exclusive retreats for your next vacation or event. Wake up to amazing views only minutes from Utah's most breathtaking national and state parks and Moab's best shopping and dining. Enjoy your fully stocked vacation home with private pool and hot tub. Every room is a luxurious private suite, plus daily maid service and private chefs are available. Exclusive retreats. We're not your home away from home. We are better. Book today at ExclusiveRetreats.com. Well, and what we're, I think we're trying to also do is give someone a glimpse of what a regulated experience feels like. If you've been through a trauma or you have that consistent exposure to like unpredictable environments, if there's addiction or severe, you know, trauma related mental illness and personality disorders in your environment, there's not a lot of predictability and you might not even know what it looks like to have a regulated space, right? So sometimes therapy is also, this is what it looks like to feel safe. This is what it looks like to create safety for someone else, right? So I think that what's happened over time is that we have a hypervigilance instead of a self-awareness. And I think we've equated the two, like hypervigilance, like this constant search in the environment, especially as women, frankly, I mean, generations and generations of reading our environments for safety. It's only been in recent decades that women are even physically safe, let alone emotionally safe, right? So we have, we have conditioned over the years, thousands and thousands of years to be hypervigilant of our surroundings, our safety, other people's emotions. We're always in tune, right? That's a hypervigilance. And what we're trying to now reset is to a, a, a self-awareness an alertness and a self-awareness. That's a different system. Hypervigilance is fear. Self-awareness is in the body, right? Like you said, sometimes we don't even know how we're feeling. We don't even know. We're not even in our bodies at all. So when you ask about like, what are things we can do? I always like to think simply said the quickest way to get into your body, whatever that is for you. If you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling fearful, if you're feeling just like, you know, like you're checked out, right? You're in your head. The quickest way for you to get into your body. What is that for you? For me, it's literally kicking off my shoes and walking outside and having my feet in the grass for a second. It sends a signal to my body that, oh, we're in our body right now. We're not thinking. I'm not problem solving in my walk or hike. Sometimes I go to my backyard and I get back into my head because I see that something needs to be mowed or fixed or dug (laughs) up or weeded. Right. And then I'm back up in my head. Right. So I almost have to go into spaces where I like, I know I'm not going to be triggered by a performance or something I have to do. That's why I think people like to go to the mountains and they like to hike. They like to go away, getting into your body. If you're driving in the car, one of the things I like to do is just feel my butt in the seat feel my hands on the wheel, smell the leather for a minute, try to really ingest my surroundings, 
you know, feel, taste, smell, all those senses. If you're just sitting there in the car, it's harder to do. It's more intentional. But the more we can get into our bodies, the more I think we're, we're like attending to those little spaces. Like we go through life not even being aware that our stomach is clenching. You know, it's just super tight. Or that our muscles are clenching or, you know, that we're, we're all wound up. We're not even aware we're doing it. So you get into your body for a second, do a little bit of a scan. It's almost like a little signal of safety to yourself. I love it. And I'm sitting here thinking about what my journey has been over the last couple of years. And I've always been of the mindset that, you know, I got this, I can do this. And, you know, you're talking about self-awareness and what our struggles are and maybe whether it's trauma or relationships, all the things, because there's so many things. And for me, you know, I've, I've just been of the mindset, you know, I can do this, whether it's, I'm going to read a book, a self-help book, I'm going to journal, I'm going to, you know, spend more time connecting with myself. And it's only been in the last couple of years where I've realized the loss of connection and self-awareness that I have distracted with other things and not allowed myself to get in my body so that I can feel and have that knowing. And I'll say that I made a commitment this year. It was on my to-do for 2022 was bringing therapy into a more practiced stage for me. So it wasn't just going to be random when something came up, it was going to be consistent. And for me, it's twice a month. And and what I'm getting from that is it is helping me to process more. So having someone else to talk to, and you know, you brought up as a mother to our children and having an agenda, I can talk. It's not that I don't have friends or sister, whatever, you know, to, to have that ability, but it's having someone that does not have an agenda that I can be so vulnerable with that I can say all the things that I maybe wouldn't say. And the questions that come back to me from you know, the therapy, the therapist or the processing that's coming back is really helping me to connect, connect with myself. It's bringing that awareness so that I can process more clearly. And so I want, I just, I really wanted to just share that that one piece is bringing that to the forefront for me. So at 52, where I've thought I've got this for so many years and I've used outside ways of coping or, or navigating, you know, the different areas that have brought stress in my life for the first time, I am getting that connection. I am getting that awareness. And I know there's so many of us out there that are just distracting. We're distracting, we're making excuses, and we're not giving ourselves that gift of being able to, to connect and bring that awareness. And so I'm loving what you're bringing to this episode in terms of how therapy can be that one more piece that you bring into your life, why it doesn't need to be scary, how it can be a safe place. And I just think it's, it's such an important part of our growing. Yeah. I, you know, when you, you mentioned trauma, I think one of the hardest parts about trauma is it, it, it necessarily takes you out of your body for a while. Your body's not a safe place to be for a while. And so, of course, you go into your head and to doing, you know, and to performing and distraction. It's like that's survival mode. And so you spend something, you know, you do something to just keep yourself alive. But going into your body during that time can feel terrifying, can feel like such an unsafe place to be when you've been through something so significant, right? So one of the, I, I just feel, I feel so much for people who've been through really difficult things, because of course we would naturally be in our bodies and we would be 
performing and functioning and naturally learning this as human beings, but trauma takes you out of that. And so learning to get back into that is it becomes a kind of a mental thing. You have to get some knowledge. You have to retrain yourself, you know, to, to go back to that natural state of being in your body and being safe there. So when people do come in with, I mean, therapy doesn't have to be super trauma related, but there's, there's trauma that something huge happened. I think of trauma as anything that creates a relationship with the world where you have don't feel safe with the world where you've gone from feeling safe to unsafe. It's changed your, your relationship with safety in the world. Some people's trauma is that they were born and they never, ever, ever did regulate and have safety for whatever reason. There's only a thousand different reasons that could happen, right? So some people's trauma is that they just never did get safety. That could be generational trauma, you know, what the mother was going through, or that could be just born into a single with a single mom and she's just scrambling. And so there's a lack of attention. A lot of our safety comes from attention. That's another great thing of of therapy is there's someone who's witnessing you attentively, who's watching you and seeing you. So your little, your system can relax. Something has my back. I can engage in this tinker toy behavior. (laughs) I can play with my toys because something has my back. I don't have to, you know, I don't have to, my system doesn't have to be up in here. I can just be, feel regulated and just engage in my activity. Right. So as parents, that's our goal is kind of be present enough with our kids without hypervigilantly worrying, like, don't do that. Stop. You know, right. But just presently conscious of our children. So their little systems regulate. Right. Well, Gabby, I'm so grateful you just described what trauma is because I think a lot of people, and I'm curious, I mean, even our listeners, how when I think of trauma, I think of something so severe, the loss of a loved one, the, you know, an accident, but it, you just identified trauma can be something we would have never even thought of it being trauma. And have we really stopped and had the self-awareness to look at it? And I know Christy has been really good at this because when we both dove into sharing our past and doing that, I don't think I ever gave the past the credit it deserved for that it was traumatic. I just wanted to bury it and like, well, I dealt with it. I'm good. And I think a lot of people do that, but there's been a lot of trauma. There's been a lot of turmoil. And I'm so, I'm just so grateful you brought that up because I hope our listeners out there maybe stop and think about it for a minute and acknowledge what they have been through. And that's a win also. Look, I I mean, I hope that they realize, look, I'm, I've gotten out of it and I'm in a good place. Or even if they're not, maybe they'll go, I need to see somebody Because maybe I just didn't give something enough credit it deserved. I tried to just push it away and be bigger than it or be stronger than it. And what is the danger of doing that? What is the danger of doing what? The danger of just dismissing trauma or dismissing something and you bury it and like, oh, I can get over this. I'm good. What is the danger to us personally when we do that? Is there a danger? Well, I mean... That's a, that's a complex question. I, I think we're always kind of like trying to manage this balance of safety and exposure, safety and exposure, right? And the more you have taken a look at and acknowledged what you've been through, the more seen you feel yourself. Like if I'm, if I am telling Gabby, when I feel a trigger or some sort of poke that gets me in my pain body, right? If I have a part of me that says, oh yeah, Gabby, 
you know, that's a hard space for you. Like I have a, a history of like parental neglect. And so I have, I have triggers around that when it comes to like my in-laws, like something can happen and I can feel this really strong reaction to not feeling like seen or valued. And if I just let that run away with me, what I end up doing is, is kind of poisoning my relationship with my in-laws and the people who actually love me very much. I make it about them. I make it about their imperfections or their lack of love for me or not being able to be enough for me. But if I, if I can have this supervision, this internal awareness of like, oh, look, oh, ouch, that hurt. Boy, you're having a strong reaction to that. What's that about? And then I can have this incorporation of like, yeah, honey, you've, you've had some parental neglect. This is a sore spot for you. Then I don't bring that into my relationships with my in-laws. You know, I, I don't corrupt that relationship with them by making it about them and being as angry, right? And then if needed, I can address it with someone or I, I don't need to address that with them. You know, they're, they love me. I know they do. Anything that causes me pain would be completely unintentional on their part. I know that about them, right? So if unacknowledged trauma can start to interfere with our safety and all of our relationships, we're projecting this lack of acceptance onto everyone, right? Instead of, instead of just keeping it here and saying, you know what, that might've been imperfect behavior on their part, <laughs> clunky, imperfect human behavior, but what it wasn't a lack of love. It just poked something in me that is very, very real. And it was probably never going to go away, frankly. My, my little pain body of parental neglect is always going to be with me. So it's not always about like getting rid of these things. It's about like, oh, it's there. I acknowledge it. I embrace it. My 11, 12-year-old Gabby, right? I love her. And when she gets hurt, I, I'm just like, oh, come here. Come here. I know. I know. That's, that's a painful thing for you, babe. Okay. So that is so powerful when you're thinking about being able to get to that space of acknowledging and sitting with it. And I think that's a piece that we're all missing in our healing. I mean, pain and trauma bring in that fear and we can go to that place you just described. I felt it. I've been, I've felt it this last week. I watched myself go through it personally. I sat in it and I, I neglected to recall though, why I was in that space. Instead, I was going to that cynical place, the blaming place. And it wasn't until after I got out of it that I was able to reflect and, and recall what it was happening there. And so I think it's it's so beautiful to be able to say, okay, this is a dysfunctional pattern. How many of those you know, are we exhibiting in our life daily? Mm-hmm. And what is it? You know, At what point can we how do we get to that place that you just described? I mean, Gabby, you're coming from so much experience and awareness and knowledge around it that you can go there. I would say the average person is not able to really have that self-awareness mm-hmm. and, and they're living their life with these dysfunctional patterns. Right. And guilty. And, <laughs> uh, yeah. Guilty too. Like I, I, I'm not saying I don't have them at all. I think I think my, my relationship with all the versions of me is present. I'm not in any space of trying to like, oh, the, the get over it mentality. I, I'm not a get over a person. 
I'm a incorporated person, integrated person, you know, accept it and pull it into you. All these versions of me that have popped up over the years, they have a hyper-religious version of me that went on a mission. I have a, you know, a really performance version of me that was a overachiever that was trying to, you know, run away from the shame of being in a family that I felt like wasn't accepted, you know? So I have this overachiever in me that performs really well. And just being aware of all these versions of me that pop up. And like you said, this last week, even if you can't have concurrent awareness, the goal is to have curiosity. Sometimes you don't know why, like, wow, I was so flooded. (laughs) And when I think of flooded, I think of like, there is a trigger that poked into my pain body and then brought all of my pain body into that moment. And that all of that pain body coming in, like, and especially when we're hormonal and perimenopause, all that, that pain body comes in there and mixes up with the hormones. And then there's just a lot of drama going on. And there's that feeling of like, nobody will ever love me. And I will never, ever have what I need from people. And I'm always going to be alone. I think that's a huge pain body for women. Like we do so much for people and nobody's ever going to love us the way we deserve. You know, we get this like martyrdom, right? But in the moment, it feels very, very real. In the moment, that feels very, very real because essentially our bottom core fear is like, will we ever be loved and seen and safe for who we are? You know, so concurrent awareness is not necessary. Concurrent curiosity is necessary. Like being curious in that moment doesn't mean it's going to solve it. You're flooded. But I like to just say, don't make any big decisions when you're feeling flooded. (laughs) Maybe keep it to yourself for a moment until you can process it. (laughs) text everyone, you know, you know, (laughs) maybe, maybe, you know, just spend a little, I, I do this thing where I'm like going to bed, you know, it's usually at night when I'm tired I'm, and my defenses are low. I, I just don't have the bandwidth to resist keeping in mind that the part of us that is wiser, it runs on such a high motor that it takes a while to wake up in the morning and it is the first thing to conk out. So the wisest part of us, we use it up really super fast. And, you know, if God did that to us, <laughs> like, what? so fear runs on nothing. Fear is weeds. It needs nothing to grow. It needs nothing to be sustained. It's in the middle of the night. You don't need to feed it. You don't need to water it. Right. But the wisest part of this is a a sacred, high cost resource. So we don't have it available to us all the time. And that's another thing, just to be aware, like, oh, I'm really flooded right now. Mm, It's nighttime. I'm going to go to bed and see how I feel about this in the morning when I've had some rest and I can process it a little bit better. (laughs) Sorry, that was a wandery. No, so I mean, we've we've touched on so much. We've kind of, we've we've gone the gamut in this episode. And I really, I want to wrap it up because we're going to dive into another topic with Gabby. We're going to talk about marriage, infidelity, codependency, and how we can navigate that in our relationships. But I want to end this with just saying, you know, we've, like I said, we've touched on some surface level stuff. The goal here is to open your mind and your hearts to connecting with yourself, bringing in more self-awareness. And hopefully you can do that with someone like Gabby. We're going to put all of her contact information in, but if it's, if it's not Gabby, making sure that you can find a right fit for you. And sometimes that takes multiple sessions to really feel that connection and don't get distracted or discouraged with that process. Because once you find the right person that you can sit down with, whether it's weekly, monthly, that you can really be vulnerable, the ugly truth, all of it on the table, that is where the healing begins. That is where the power is you living your best self. So thank you, Gabby, for spending this. My pleasure. 
hour with us. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think someone could benefit, please share. If there's a conversation you think we should be having or a topic that resonated with you, please let us know. You can engage and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Pieces of a Woman Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. If you listen to us on Apple, leave us a five-star rating and a comment. 